Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we are going to do our usual Thursday podcast episode of breaking down the top 10 storylines to look forward to ahead of what figures to be a very exciting week nine. And to get this task accomplished, everyone, I have a very special guest joining me today. Top 10 most accurate fantasy football analysts in 2017, 2018, and 2019 alike. We have the co-host of the award-winning fantasy football footballers podcast, Jason Moore. Jason, what's going on, man? Uh, it's just an exciting time to be alive. 2020, here we go. Fantasy football is the reprieve for uh, the salve for our souls. <laughs> That's right, man. I'm one of these savages that even in March, you know, like I'm, I'm still trying to fill up my day with uh, as much NFL stuff as I can. But particularly uh, in, you know, t- with today's events going on and all that, it is a particularly great uh, relief. So everyone make sure you follow Jason on Twitter at Jason NFL. If you don't already and check out the Fantasy Footballers podcast, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you Jason's one of the funniest and sharpest guys in the industry. But uh, make sure, you know, to check those out. Reminder, it never hurts. So without further ado, let's get after these storylines. So Jason, we have Lamar Jackson. Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews who just haven't quite been producing as fantasy managers would hope to this point now we got a road trip to Indianapolis against you know a defense that you look at a bunch of metrics and they seem pretty legit against the pass and run alike what do you make of these Ravens assets both this week and throughout the rest of the season yeah it's it's one of those things where even though every fantasy analyst was talking about it before the season that regression's coming for Lamar Jackson that the nine percent touchdown rate cannot and will not stick it still feels broken. It's like, oh, he's the worst now. He's way worse than we thought. You know, I I was looking at trading for uh, Hollywood Brown in a league, and I'm like, man, he Hollywood looks great. Yeah, I watched the film. I watched the routes. He's burning guys. He's getting shots downfield. His air yards are there. Everything's great. He's not getting hit. Five of his 20 deep balls this year have been deemed catchable. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, look, we had a an MVP season last year from Lamar Jackson. We know he can get it done. We know he could be great for fantasy. So if he turns it around, and then the more that I dug in, I'm like, okay, right now he's averaging just under 200 yards a game. And that is not a big enough pie to be really happy with either Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown or or anyone that's, you know, in the passing game. And I guess I just didn't remember how few passing yards he had last year. You know, he averaged 208 passing yards a game in his MVP season. He's not going to change to be a 250, 275 passing yard a game guy. So I, my outlook, it, it really all is touchdowns. It's just, and he's still throwing for a higher than average touchdown rate and we're super disappointed. So I, I don't think you could be confident in Marquise Brown, in Mark Andrews. They will both have big games. They are very talented. It's a good overall offense. But my outlook for this season and rest of season is more of what you've been seeing. I don't think this is the outlier. I think this is the norm. We look at these air yard target share stats every week. The only guys with a higher uh, percentage of their team's air yards are Terry McLaurin, Darius Slayton, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, and then Marquise Brown. But to your point, just the overall pie, the overall share of air yards in Baltimore and just target shares in general, so much smaller than we see in other pass offenses around the league. And, you know, even though Marquise Brown, you know, is coming out on Twitter, he's disappointed. He wants more targets, only had two last week. He actually is the number one uh, pass game option in this Ravens offense, looking purely at targets. But I agree with you, man. This is the 
the deep ball connection has not been there. Mark Andrews, though, I feel like he's almost been the bigger disappointment because going in this year, you know, we almost kind of kicked Ertz to the curb. It was Kelsey, uh, George Kittle, you know, maybe Darren Waller, but Mark Andrews was firmly in that tier. So, you know, do you think he's still going to be able to kind of be that top three, top four tight end or like, like Hollywood, are we just kind of looking at a situation where we just can't, we kind of got to throw out 2019 in terms of what to expect? Well, I think the difference is that you can accept a, uh, uh, you know, a higher bust rate at the tight end position because you just don't have alternatives you could pivot to. Whereas at wide receiver, there's there's just so many more options. So I think at the end of the year, Mark Andrews will be fine. He'll be a top five tight end. He'll still have enough touchdowns to be very relevant. But along the way, it's 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 unfortunately more Jared Cook than it is Travis Kelsey. It's a low volume high touchdown rate and that still gets it done at tight end is just not what we hoped for in the draft season it is absolutely brutal trying to rank tight ends these days you get done with three or four and then it's like my goodness who are I these guess guys? hawkinson's next up let's go <laughs> we got the top three and then we're 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 digging deep i'm right there with you man all right next storyline here so ryan Tannehill has truly been playing at a top 10 level since taking over midway through the 2019 season and through eight weeks of the 2020 season not just aj brown but also Corey davis we have seen putting up literally top 20 numbers on a per game basis in terms of fantasy points per game we know it's always aj brown wide receiver one season man i've been hyping this up this dude since summer truly one of the best wide receivers in the game i think most people accept that but do we think Corey Davis can keep this up as well and kind of become a more consistent guy than the man that we saw in this offense, you know, from 2017 and 2019, usually disappointing. Yeah, I think, I think he can be uh, far more consistent than what we've seen in the past. This is a talented wide receiver. He was drafted top 10 in the NFL draft. I, I think we forget that because of how bad he's been, but he was, he was drafted with, a lot of talent. The offense is one that I think we want pieces of. And like you said, Ryan Tannehill has been a really solid option. Now it's still AJ Brown one, Corey Davis two. I know if you look at the numbers, you put them side by side, you're like, well, you can make the case that, you know, they're, they're one a and one B it's that's, that's not true. And, and you need to really take a larger sample size, go back to last year after his injury, once he was healthy past the bye week, and at that point, you still had a large, you know, a, a amount of games, the, the second half of the season where he was on a, uh, th this is uh, Corey Davis was on a 605 yard, zero touchdown pace. I, I think Corey Davis is someone you can start. I think you can have him as a flex option most of the games, the rest of the way, but I don't see him as a stud. If, if you're going to have the ability to truly have game-breaking plays where you take a slant and you go 70 yards for a touchdown. That's not going to be Corey Davis. That's going to be A.J. Brown. Yeah, and, you know, to your point about him being this former first-round pick, players are allowed to get better in the NFL. We've seen this with Rashad Perryman, even Nelson Aguilar this year, and now it's looking like Corey Davis. I mean, you Devontae have Devontae Parker, you know, that fifth-year breakout we always talked about. <laughs> even like Devontae Adams, man. There was a long time in the NFL where this oh. guy just – Oh my god. We were man. we were just talking about Devontae Adams because he's he's unbelievable. I mean, he's so good. And there was a period in time where Mike on our show had this very famous line just basically declaring how much Devontae Adams sucks. And it was true at the time. Like it took Devontae Adams a long period of time to actually for it to click. And thank goodness he was granted that opportunity because whoo. It clicked. 
I'm guessing Mike made that statement directly after Adams caught 10 of 21 targets for 79 scoreless yards in 2015. It doesn't happen immediately uh, for these guys, everyone. And yet yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, I'm not expecting Corey Davis to, you know, continue this top 16 production he's had to this point, but I mean, look at this Titans offense. They went third in situational uh, neutral pace this season. Last year they were 19th. So it's still going through Derrick Henry. They still want to run the ball, but they're running more plays. And with Tannehill playing well with Humphreys banged up, it does make sense that this offense can you know, slightly support uh, two fantasy relevant receivers a little bit more than we saw last year. All right, man, I want to switch things over to running back. So we got various rookie running backs that you kind of look up and down uh, this kind of week nine slate, and you can see where they could have some success. We got James Robinson against the Texans, Antonio Gibson versus the Giants, Dobbins versus the Colts, Swift versus the Vikings, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against the Panthers. So, you know, out of this group, and again, James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who do you want the most for the rest of the season if we're just talking total fantasy points? Yeah, out of that group, I think it's easiest to work in kind of reverse order and say who I don't want the most. Yeah. That Sometimes that's easier. DeAndre Swift is out. Uh, I'm not trusting the backfield of the Detroit Lions, even when it looks like he's going to get the opportunity. It doesn't matter the talent. Now, all of a sudden, it's on Johnson week. It's an Adrian Peterson week. So he, he would be, you know, last on the list. The next last on the list has to be, unfortunately, J.K. Dobbins. Now, not necessarily for this week, while Mark, Ingram is out. J.K. Dobbins looks great. Uh, he is clearly the more talented uh, player. He breaks tackles. Mark Ingram breaks none. And the electric plays are there for him. But at rest of season, when Mark Andrews or, or Mark Ingram comes back, he's going to be the starter regardless of what we believe should happen. So I'd say those two guys are out. Then it's a close race between James Robinson, Antonio Gibson, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm actually going to throw Clyde Edwards-Alaire out next. I think his situation has gotten worse. He's already been a little bit disappointing. Um, and the arrow, you know, is pointing down on him with Lev Bell there. Uh, but it's still close with the other two guys. The arrow could point way down on James Robinson. I mean, we've seen, right, look what happened to Zeke. When you go down to what is essentially a third-string NFL quarterback and the teams can focus on you, it doesn't matter if you're the center of the offense and you get a lot of work. That being said... I think I would take him over Gibson. He's a top five running back. You know he's going to get the work. He's been solid. And the nice thing about James Robinson so far this year is it hasn't been a couple of crazy big plays. He doesn't have that end breakaway speed where once you know he gets the 20-yard run, he turns it into a 75-yard touchdown, and the stats are padded. He's just consistent. He breaks tackles, makes chunk plays, and they give him enough opportunity I don't trust the offense of the Washington football team to get Gibson the ball enough. So I think I'm going to go Robinson, James Robinson first, Antonio Gibson second, Clyde Edwards-Alaire third. We are right in line, man. Just all about the opportunity and who can get the most of it potentially moving forward. James Robinson already has the role that we hope is the best case scenario for Antonio Gibson. He has a chance to get it, though. Like, unlike Dobbins, unlike Swift, and, uh, you know, unlike Clyde Edwards-Lair, there is far less backfield competition for Gibson. And, you know, with him coming out, being more of a pure, you know, wide receiver out in Memphis and still learning the position, I expected him to be having more trouble, you know, getting away from Peyton Barber, Bryce Love, and getting that early down work. He's really had that. It's just that J.D. McKissick continues to play so many snaps and get all those targets. So, you know, he has CMC's coach, or old coach. He has CMC's old quarterback, but he doesn't quite have CMC's old role yet. It could happen, though. Maybe we get that post, uh, you know, post bye week rookie bump that we saw Swift get a little bit ago. But, yes, I do think it is James Robinson's season out of this group. How concerned are you with Jake Lutton now being his quarterback? Or do you just think that this, you know, he 
huge workload will continue to win out. Well, I am I am very concerned about it. I mean, the, the workload will still be there. But w- like I said, with the Cowboys, the, the difference between the Cowboys example of losing your quarterback and all of a sudden the offense collapsing over to losing the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars is, look, Dak was great. You can say whatever you want about him, but he was great. I think, you know, the backups have proven Dak's point. And while I love, love Gardner Minshew, I mean, Minshew mania, the swag, all that. He's not that great. He's just, he's, he's a guy. And, and, and for the last several weeks, while he's been playing with this broken thumb, he's looked like trash. So yeah, I'm concerned about Jake Luton. He doesn't strike me as anyone that the defense is going to have to even worry about. They're going to stack the box, but it's not like they haven't been kind of doing that already. So the James Robinson will not be as good with Jake Luton as he was with Gardner Minshew. But the 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 drop will not be like what we've seen for for Zeke without Dak. Agreed. And we have not seen London in the NFL yet, but just based on kind of his 2019 advanced metrics, uh, we really do see the, you know, painting the picture of a quarterback that loves to check the ball down, you know, but Chris Thompson still banged up and no one really challenging James Robinson going to continue to be treating him as a top 12 option at the position week in and week out. Everybody want to stick with the Cowboys here. And that's a good, good example, but you know, personally, I am fearful for whoever winds up under center for the Cowboys this week against the Steelers pass rush. They currently have the highest pressure rate in our PFF database of the last 10 years. They're just getting out to everybody you know Ezekiel Elliott Amari Cooper these guys have enough volume but man like I'm, I'm already just getting nervous thinking about the start sick questions we're going to have this weekend about you know guys that are just in non-horrendous situations versus Cooper and Zeke so how are you approaching this Cowboys offense in week nine and like do you think that Cooper Zeke are the only ones that can kind of carve out some value or is there maybe someone else that you think once uh, maybe it's a slightly better matchup moving forward we can get back to trusting I think this is about who the quarterback is. So right now, this week with Andy Dalton on the COVID IR, uh, I'm not only am I not going with any other option, I'm not going with Amari Cooper either. I said this last week, and and last week we had the double up. We had we had the Danucci, but we also had the Darius Slay. So that was part of why I, I told people to bench Amari Cooper last week. But the reality is when Dalton came in, we still saw who he was targeting as his number one wide receiver. That was Cooper. We have no idea. It, with, with the options here, with C.D. Lamb, with Gallup, with Cooper, that just because Cooper's getting the most money does not mean he comes in and gets targeted the most. You have no idea. I am not starting a single Cowboys wide receiver this week, including Amari Cooper. I will still start Zeke. It's a volume play. You know he's going to get the ball. It's a terrible matchup. But if he can break one play or fall into the end zone, he should be fine. His, his floor is high. He's unfortunately mostly a floor play this week but that's where that's where it ends once Andy Dalton comes back I will be fine starting Amari Cooper because I'm confident that's going to be his number one read outside of that I mean I've I I loved Gallup coming into the season Uh, CD Lamb was my number one rated rookie coming in and he looked the part and I've dropped both of those guys wherever I have them in any redraft leagues I I'm not going to spend my time waiting for talent that doesn't have opportunity. So brutal, man. Yeah, I ran Cooper as my wide receiver 20 this week, but even that felt bad. I think I'm with you. Just take a complete sit approach to the situation. Can't say in every league. I'm sure there are some, you know, desperate managers out there that really don't have a better choice, but it truly is looking more dreadful than ever for Cooper. Now, Zeke is an interesting one, man. I'm curious if you kind of have a specific ranking with him. I have, his, I have him as my PPR RB14. I have David Montgomery, Todd Gurley ahead of Zeke. I could not even have fathomed doing this a couple of weeks ago, but now I just feel like when you take away this Cowboy 
always kind of scoring upside from the offense. Zeke's role is, you know, a, a lot more similar than some of these other backs around the league. Yeah, Zeke is around that running back 15 to me. The uh, David Johnsons, Jermichael Hasties, Justin Jacksons, th- those are players that you might be squeezing in ahead of Zeke this week. And, I, you know, I, I Zeke is not a must start this week. He's a you can start, but obviously look at your roster. And if you've got a good matchup with a solid player, you know, it, a couple of weeks ago, it would have been unfathomable to say, I'm going to put David Johnson in over Zeke, but I would do that this week. Yeah, I like that. Not a must start, a can start, everyone. Heard it from the man himself. All right, storyline here, number five. We got TB12 versus Breeze on Sunday Night Football. Biggest storyline, though, is the return of Antonio Brown. We got Chris Goblin, you know, dealing with the index finger injury. Sounds like he has a chance to come back this week. Mike Evans, you know, is playing out there every single week. But, man, he's been hobbled on that ankle pretty much since week two. You know, set after that Raiders game a few weeks ago. Estimated he's only working at 80%. Scotty Miller's on the, you know, injury report every single week. All sorts of injuries going on. And, yet we got Bruce Arians saying that, you know, oh, we'll see. Maybe he plays 10 to 30 snaps. Jason, are you with me in that I just cannot believe the Buccaneers would go through all this awful PR, all these hoops to get A.B. on the field? Like, they're going to feature the guy from game one, which is Sunday night, yeah? Yeah, they're going to feature him game one. I mean, this is a team that is – their window is now. When Tom Brady's your quarterback, you're not looking to eh, take things slow. They want the they want to make the playoffs. They want to get the bye. They want it all. And the reality is this. I mean, look at last week's performance from Tom Brady. He threw to about 100 different players because he's going to throw to whoever is open. And if you look at the list of players on that team, I know which one is going to be open. It's Antonio Brown. And we have a history here. I know it's obviously super small sample size, almost a narrative only, but it, but it's it's not. It's It happened where off the street with barely any practice, Antonio Brown comes in with Tom Brady and is thrust right in, gets eight targets, 56 yards, and a touchdown with the Patriots in the only game they've played together. I think they need him right now. I think he wants to prove something. Brady wants to prove something. And, and you know, look, the, the Buccaneers don't want to come off looking like they made a bad decision. So they're going to put him right in there. And, and if you heard Bruce Arians today talking about how they had their walkthrough, but Antonio Brown was going full speed. At, I mean, he wants to prove it. So, yeah, I, I think Antonio Brown is – someone that I'm willing to start. I'm starting him in a couple leagues this week. Absolutely. Upside wide receiver too for me. And yeah, craziest part about those eight targets that you mentioned, only 24 snaps. And we had a healthy Julian Edelman, healthy Josh Gordon, healthy James White. Tom Brady pushed all those guys to back for AB. So I look, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, when these guys are healthy, they're off with number one wide receivers in their own right. They're not healthy. And we have a guy under center that we know loves them some AB. So yeah, man, literally top 20 option to start this week and could be even higher here and beyond. All right, so I want to stick with this game for a second because we've seen this Buccaneers backfield really taking on a new shape in recent weeks. First, they condensed down to just Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Bruce Aarons called Fournette his nickel back, you know, being out there mainly on pass downs. That's great. Two running backs, you know, LaShawn McCoy and Keyshawn Vaughn out of the picture. We can live with that in fantasy land. Week eight was even a whole new thing where Ronald Jones ended up fumbling a little check down. I, I almost thought it was a drop, man, kind of a weird situation, but he fumbles that pretty much gets benched for the rest of the game. We see Fournette just take on a workhorse role. What do you see? What do you kind of make of this backfield here in week nine and moving forward? I hate it. I absolutely <laughs> hate the backfield. This is Bruce Arians. You know, we're, we're from Arizona. We had Bruce as, as our head coach. We know how much he punishes the fumble. And it doesn't matter if Leonard Fournette comes out and is the starter and is the workhorse. Leonard Fournette puts that ball on the ground. All of a sudden, you're going to see a Rojo game. 
And, uh, you know, the reality is if I have to start one of these guys, it has to be Leonard Fournette because he's involved in the passing game and that's more valuable for fantasy. I don't care that he's not good in the passing game. He, if you, if you catch the ball point um, and you're going to get more yards there than on the ground. So I, I would lean Fournette, but I really want to avoid this situation. I view it as if you've got these guys, you might have to start them and you might be happy with your start, but as soon as you are happy with the start, see if you can move them, see if you can get a trade, get value for something that you can rely on more because as often as one of these backs is going to help you, in your lineup, he's going to hurt you. Yeah, I think we've seen enough evidence over these past two years that just when you think this Buccaneers backfield might have, you know, some sort of clarity, usually the next week takes that right away. The season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app with so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports. This is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this, people. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right, you bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting. Additionally, this weekend there is plenty of action to get on, so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odd, odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. A quick shout-out to our sponsors before we get to our last four points. All first-time depositors, that monkey knife fight, that put 20 bucks into their account while using promo code PFF or receive a free PFF has annual subscription. That's a $40 value for just 20 bucks. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games. I want the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and monkey knife fight. So go to monkey knife fight, deposit your 20 bucks or promo code PFF today and receive your free PFF edge annual subscription. All right, everyone, we have four more storylines here. Thank you as always for listening to PFF fantasy football podcast. So I want to talk about a game that I think might be, you know, I don't want to call it a sneaky shootout. I just think it should be an expected shootout. Raiders and Chargers. We got Justin Herbert and Derek Carr, who have largely been playing great football this season. I mean, look, Darren Waller, Keenan Allen, we know the usual suspects who are probably going to be going off in this spot. But, you know, any of these other complimentary pass catchers, Mike Williams, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Henry, you know, even like Jalen Guyton, do you think any of these guys in these offense and these Raiders and Chargers offenses can kind of carve out more consistent roles here moving forward? Yeah, I mean, as far as this this week, I absolutely agree with you. I love it. Derek Carr's been great. He was my stream of the week this week. My start of the week is Herbert. I, I, I love this matchup. I, I think Derek Carr would have been great last week if it wasn't for being the craziest weather game uh, I can remember with sideways hail coming in at one point. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like the options. I am really looking towards rugs this week. This seems like if it's going to be a high over under, if a lot of points are put up and you're going to have to air it out with two teams that are willing to do so, it's going to be the deep threats. Mike Williams, Henry Ruggs. I mean, yes, it can be Guyton. It can be Aguilar. And we'll be super disappointed when those two guys come down with the deep pass. 
but I really like uh, what I've seen leading up to that last week and the utilization for Mike Williams. I'm not, I'm not sold on Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, when I watch, he's just a guy. He's in a good role and at the tight end position. Look, if you've got him, you're starting him because he's a tight end one. That's not saying much, but, you know, is he going to break a big play? No, I don't know that he can. He's just on a offense that's putting up a lot of points. So to me, it's Mike Williams and, and Henry Ruggs, and I would actively seek them out right now. I think rest of season, they'll both be good. But this game specifically, they should be in your lineup. Yeah. With the looking, taking a step back in this Raiders for a sec, they had the awesome win in Kansas City. Cars throwing the ball all over the place. You know, they go in Arrowhead and they win. They come out of a bye week. They have an impossible matchup against the Buccaneers. We've seen, you know, defang Aaron freaking Rodgers and then most of the offensive they face this year. And then to your point, just one of the most horrific weather games uh, of the season last week against the Browns. So, I mean, Carr even had an interview where he came out and pretty much said, like, throwing downfield was kind of our new identity. I just don't think he has he's had much of a chance to show that over these past few weeks, even though we saw it at a high level in week five and even the earlier parts of the season. The guy's always had a great arm and throws a great deep ball. He just hasn't been willing to do it all that often often so you look at these wide receivers and among 202 players with at least 15 targets this year Henry Ruggs is eighth in yards per target Nelson Aguilar is fifth when they're trying to throw these outside guys good things are happening we just need a game that's going to kind of force it out of them and yeah man this Chargers team last four weeks like it's a great defense when they're healthy but now we even got Joey Bosa with a potential concussion to worry about it's just a situation where maybe a fully healthy Chargers D could uh, you know make some noise but I just think we're gonna see points flying on the board from both sides and yes Ruggs and Williams man I'm with you i do think hunter henry like he hasn't looked good but at what point do we say okay he hasn't looked good this year but we know he's we have five years four years of evidence of him being one of the league's better tight ends i mean isn't this kind of at a volatile tight end position maybe the time we should be looking to buy into a second half comeback well i mean it's when you say we've we've got a long stretch of him looking good it's it's continuing right now i mean right now uh he's been okay he's had a top 12 a top 10 performance but it's just not good enough to, to be one of those tight ends that matter. You know, you look on the other side of the field and Darren Waller and the volume and you know, week in and week out, he's going to be important. Hunter Henry will have disappearing acts. Hunter Henry will go, you know, and, and have 23 yards to finish a game and completely let you down. So can he get better as the season goes on? Maybe, but the look, I love Justin Herbert. I, I told you he's my start of the week this week, but the shoe is going to drop. He's not going to be the same quarterback as a rookie the rest of the season. He's not going to smash every rookie record that's ever been made and all of a sudden be better than, you know, other MVP candidates in the recent history. It's, it's That's not what's going to happen. So if his volume goes down, if his touchdowns go down, I don't see the second half of the season being where Hunter Henry goes up. Fair. It's Keenan Allen in this Chargers offense. Yeah. Everyone else is a little bit of a mystery for sure. All right, man. So storyline number eight, we got Christian McCaffrey's long awaited return appears to be happening this week. He was practicing in full, I believe, recording this on a Wednesday. And so look, the, the man has rarely left a field in the past. You know, the Panthers before last week indicated Mike Davis has earned a role, you know, even once CMC comes back. But, you know, having that extra, you know, he was almost forced out the field last Thursday, having, you know, almost a mini bye week to get ready for this week, you would think he's, you know, closer to full health than ever do you buy this turning into a two-back committee or is this going to continue to be you know the Christian McCaffrey show in 2020 I I think it's both Uh, you're you're going to have uh, Mike Davis far more involved than whoever the running back two in Christian McCaffrey's past has been 
but it's also going to be completely the Christian McCaffrey show. <laughs> I mean, you had the unprecedented 100% of snap games for Christian McCaffrey over and over and over uh, last year. I mean, on the course of the season, he played on 93% of snaps. That's not good. Like, that's that's not good for him. Uh, so, you know, you look at Zeke and Saquon, another great, phenomenal workhorse backs for fantasy over the last several years. They're not in the 100% snap count ranges. I think Mike Davis comes in. Yes, he'll steal, you know, four or five carries and maybe a target or two. And, and that obviously takes a little slice of the upside off of Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey is going to be out there 80 plus percent of snaps, maybe not week one, but the rest of season, 80 plus percent of snaps. I have no worries about him. In fact, if anything, I feel like what Mike Davis has done is he's shown that this role can be valuable for fantasy. Now put Christian McCaffrey in that role and he'll go right back to being your normal weekly number one to number three running back option. About to say, you know, maybe Alvin Kamara is going to stick around as that one guy, but definitely a top three for McCaffrey. And yeah, to your point about at least 80%, man, excluding week 17s and, you know, the injury shortened game from this year, McCaffrey hasn't played fewer than 85% of the offensive snaps since 2017. So, I mean, he really is the most every down running back in the league. I guess my just kind of concern here is will we see that same just record breaking target share? Even if it's less, he's going to be a top three, top five option. But, you know, especially just in terms of, you know, DFS, if we're looking at that, and, you know, when he's just kind of continues to be underpriced because he's getting a wire series one workload. I'm not sure it's going to be there. The Panthers still throw the ball to running backs a lot, but last season Kyle Allen targeted his running back on his first read on the 54% of his targets to the position this year, Teddy Bridgewater is at 36%. And I think that's why we've seen the Panthers offense look good without McCaffrey. Clearly we'd all take McCaffrey over Mike Davis, but when you're not actively force feeding the ball to your running back and you're getting Robbie Anderson, getting DJ more involved, I think it's just better for the field. So could you maybe, see a situation where we see McCaffrey getting more like almost slot and out wide usage, you know, with Mike Davis in the backfield, he has that awesome Eckler skill set. Both these guys can do it. And, you know, we almost now just have a Joe Brady offense where Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis, Christian McCaffrey, you got multiple running backs on the field. It seems like this Panthers offense with the talent they've uncovered could be extending as we go into the second half of the season. Yeah, I, I love what I'm seeing from the Panthers. I didn't expect them to get it going on both sides of the ball as quickly as they have. They're one of my, like, I really, really like the 2021 outlook for the Carolina Panthers. I, I'm surprised how well it's been in 2020. The, the the target volume for Christian McCaffrey is certainly the scary thing. That was coming into the year. It was like, will it happen? And then it seemed like, oh, well, obviously, just look at what Mike Davis was doing from – you know, weeks two through five, he was on 132 target pace. I can't wait for Christian McCaffrey to get back in there. But the last three games, he's combined for 10 targets. You know, that'd be a 52 target pace. So I think you're going to see some great games on the target share and some down games. I don't think it's going to be quite as consistent as it was last year. And he's not going, you know, I, I don't expect him to be on 110 target pace which is, you know, the pace he's usually been sustaining. I don't think that's going to happen the rest of the season for CMC. McCaffrey still anyone's idea of a top three fancy back, but last season, people, he averaged the fifth most points per reception per game ever at the running back position. Just maybe calm your uh, expectations a little bit for what we'll do in 2020. 
All right, man, we'll talk about the 49ers here. They are walking graveyard at the moment, but Kyle Shanahan's still their play caller. We know people are going to be putting up yards on the ground and through the air just because of that fact. I mean, Nick Mullins has a floor, but I think we've seen enough from him to kind of realize that at least one or two guys in this offense should be able to give us some sort of fantasy value. Who, if anyone, are you excited about in this 49ers offense ahead of, you know, this Thursday night matchup against the Packers and then just, you know, potentially moving forward about who could kind of emerge and steal most of these rush attempts or targets? It sounds like you're pretty high in Jermichael Hasty for this week at least. Yeah, I, I am high. We, we already know Tevin Coleman's going to be out. Jeff Wilson is out. Raheem Mostert is out. So that, that means that it's a two-man show with Jarek McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. Jarek McKinnon, uh, they're talking about him, you know, battling tired legs. And, and you've seen it on the field. I think they're going to use him in the pass-catching role. And they're going to use Jermichael Hasty in the, in the true running game role that is quintessential to what the 49ers do. The matchup against this green bay team is unbelievable they've given up more fantasy points to running backs than any other team in the league and you think about the carolina defense you're like oh target them for running backs the carolina defense has had a bye week and they haven't given and they're the second worst in the league they haven't given up as many fantasy points uh to the running back position as the packers have so i think to michael hasty this is the this is the only way that the 49ers have a shot to win is to be able to dominate this game on the ground just like they did in the playoffs when Raheem Mostert destroyed this team. What did the Packers do to stop the run in the offseason? They spent, you know, their first and second round on future prospects that maybe someday will help. And you've seen it so far through the season. So, yeah, I do think that you can start Jermichael Hasty for sure. And I also think you can start Brandon Ayuk because he's another kind of last man standing right now. You had Debo going down. Nobody else has shown any signs of life. And now Kendrick Bourne uh, is on the COVID IR list. So assuming that this game gets played on time, it's going to be Brandon Ayuk and Jermichael Hasty. That's it. I, I think if you're in a pinch, in a dire straight, you could throw Jarek McKinnon in and hope that he gets a touchdown or gets enough passes to just have a good baseline. 100%, man. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk is someone that I'm treating as, you know, a top 22 option at the position this week. We've seen him go six catches, 115 yards in the score, eight catches, 91 yards in the score in these past two matchups. He's likely to draw Jair Alexander in coverage. That is not ideal by any stretch. But, you know, look at the way Debo Samuel has been used this, used this year and Ayuk. I mean, Kyle Shanahan gets so many targets for these guys that are kind of behind the line of scrimmage in the first place, those pop passes, those screens. Like, it's just not, it's going to be a situation where I think Ayuk is going to have a handful of touches where Jair Alexander just can't do anything no matter how good he's playing how good he is this year just a funky offense to go up against so I would not yeah. let that cornerback matchup scare anyone off are you with me yeah I mean the, the half of the 49ers passes are behind the line of scrimmage <laughs> if they're not running on the ground they're running through the air by throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage and having blockers get out in front so there is no cornerback matchup for about half of his targets I, I completely agree I think, I think we overrate wide receiver quarterback matchups to begin with, and particularly in a 49ers offense, man. So same page. All right, last storyline to go over, Monday Night Football, Patriots-Jets. You know, I've been a cam stand for the last decade. Looked so good in week two against the Seahawks, but, man, that game feels like it was ages ago. Had a nice little step forward last week before the fumble at the end of the game, but at least the offense, you know, looked NFL caliber. Now we got this Jets game, which, you know what? They kind of saw it to stop the run, but it's the Jets. Come on. Do you think Cam and company can get back on track here, or are you pretty much thinking the ship has sailed on this Patriots offense? It depends on what we're talking about. In general, I think the ship has sailed. I don't think Cam is going to get anything on track. Um, I, I, I think it's kind of done for the Patriots this season. 
if you're talking for fantasy, then Cam is still fine. He was a top 12 quarterback this last week. He was a top 12 quarterback two weeks before that. In fact, he's only had two games on the season where he has not been a top 12 quarterback because he runs the ball. That's a cheat code in fantasy. It's not fair. You know, it's like every time that he gets a, a decent run, I, I turn and I say to Mike, I'm like, there's 75 passing yards because Mike and I both hate the way that it's scored in fantasy, but take advantage of it. So I think he will be okay for fantasy but something's not right with him. I, I, I mean, you know, I've, I've loved Cam Newton for a long time, especially, at, you know, we're a fantasy show, and he's been so great when he's been on the field. But when he makes a decision to throw the ball and he sees a guy right now, it's like one Mississippi, two Mississippi for him to complete his throwing motion and heave it as hard as he can to someone who then drops the ball. I mean, they might have traded for, you know, a fourth string wide receiver from the dolphins that comes in and is their best guy. I don't, I don't think Isaiah Ford will even be active for this game, but yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting big things for the Patriots, for cam, for any of the fantasy options outside of cam. And I would include, uh, Damian Harris to some degree. Now this week it's the jets. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead. You know, you, you, you're going to be favored. You're going to be running the ball. Damian Harris should be fine, but this is a team that, you know, they might want to consider losing to the Jets the two times they play them and losing the rest of the way, getting that number one pick because they have so many holes on their team. They're just not looking good. And I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be able to scheme his way out. Yeah, man. Even when Cam, even when those heaves that are taking long, two seconds longer than they should, even when they're getting on the guy, drops, just a complete lack of yak. There was just no explosion anywhere in this entire offense. And it's a shame. But Cam Newton, despite missing the game with COVID, he is still on pace for career high marks in rush attempts and rushing scores uh, despite losing that. So, yeah, man. And, you know, I would throw just uh, a reception being worth, uh, you know, a full point being equal to 10 rushes, being equal to 10 rush yards, 10 receiving yards. It's absurd. We need to get some sort of tiered. You know, a reception behind the line is not the same as a reception 20 yards downfield. So I'm with you, man. Fantasy Look, football, not perfect. I completely agree with you that that could be better. Now, on our show, I, I know a lot of shows, they're, they're full PPR. We we have ballers preferred scoring. It's all half PPR. Yeah. That's, that's the Goldilocks, man, because you need some value to the reception. But when you have full PPR, which is a lot of fun to play in. I, I don't mind me a full PPR league. They're great. It just, they're not necessarily fair to what's happening on the field I think half PPR is is that sweet spot but you speaking of Cam and the issues with the Patriots how smart does Tom Brady look right now like <laughs> he looked and he was like I'm getting out of here there's no talent it looks like he knew that the writing was on the wall and he you know chose to get out at the right time there are just no receiving options there and we've seen this multiple times this year. Matt Ryan without Julio was struggling. Matthew Stafford without Kenny Galladay. Minshew without Chark. When you don't have great options to throw to, pretty hard to be, you know, an excellent NFL quarterback unless, you know, you're Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes who managed to do it, you know, despite injuries going on. But, you know, truly a special breed there. Jason, that's going to do it, man. Thank you so much for coming on again. Everyone, make sure you follow Jason again on Twitter at JasonNFL. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, just the Fantasy Footballers website. We've got all of our start-sit tools, everything that, you know, we. if you want to check our rankings alongside PFF's rankings, it's just another resource for you. You know everybody out there is looking at multiple options, multiple sources, trying to get someone to say what they really believe in their heart. So you can check that out at thefantasyfootballers.com. Awesome stuff, man. Everyone make sure you do check that out and check out best podcast in, in our industry, the Fantasy Footballers. So that's going to do it for me, everyone. Thank you for listening to PFF Pro Football. 
PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I'm Ian Harditz. He is Jason Moore. And until next time, take care, everybody. Take care.